you actually have to be on cocaine to be on this podcast. up everybody you're listening to yet another edition of cocaine willie and tonight we're talking some more ball as we preview defensive position groups and talk about the latest with fall camp as always i'm joined by my co-hosts the good chef andre napier and fireball matt marchesini first off i do want to quickly plug uh, that we did an offensive position groups preview that published on monday august 14th so if you haven't checked that out yet you should uh, that's on our all of our podcast feeds and uh, is on YouTube as well. <clears throat> Sorry, I just got to turn the uh, theme song off there. It just went on repeat. We've also got a fun Guys Talking Ball episode that we'll publish next week at some point. So keep your eyes and, e- eyes and ears peeled for that. My first question is to Fireball Matt. How was the experience at the K-State clearance sale this past weekend? <laughs> I, see you're, I see you're sporting one of your uh, one of your steals there. I am. I'm sporting a number 38 jersey, baseball jersey. Very comfortable, actually. Um, I mean, I don't know if there's a, a good way to call a shit show, but uh, I mean, I was very impressed with the number of people that showed up for that. Um, I got there about, I don't know, 630 or so, and uh, I was about 100 people in line. Uh, so a lot of people were out there, probably stayed the night. Um there's definitely some improvements you can make on the whole deal. Uh, I don't know if limiting the number of things so everybody could get some, but uh, I understand K-State's motive. They want to get all the shit out of there. And uh, so I don't blame them, but I was able to pick up, uh, I don't know, about eight or nine things uh, that I'll wear um, probably throughout the, throughout the season, except for the tank tops. I don't need to show the guns off to everybody, but uh, yeah, I, I hope anybody who went uh, was able to at least pick something up. And if you did go and you didn't, I am so sorry for your loss. So on a different note, Chef, you get a slightly different background. You want to tell uh, tell the fans about your, your background there? Well, you know, I mean, I think there's some nice pieces there. You know, I got a little... You know, that was the little brick. You know, we got the little brick. I got my name up there somewhere at the stadium. I never found it, but it's somewhere there. These pieces, um, let me let me give a little plug real quick. Let me go to the X. You know, that the guy, I think he's a BYU. Like, I don't know if he's a BYU alum or what, but Josh War on Twitter, you know, it might be War, but Josh underscore W-A-R-R on Twitter. I mean, he does work in for any school, really. He could do any any design, but uh, he says K-State's been real good to uh, to him, and I, I'm I'm really happy with it, dude. I, I love this. I didn't think this would work, but, you know, that's us. That's, that's us. So, you know, we're the three little willies. We're all coked out, and uh, you know, I'm I'm really happy. I hope everybody gets in there and you know gets a gets a their own little piece. 
Hell yeah. I love the plug. And if you're listening on the podcast feed, just go to our YouTube feed if you want to see what we're talking about here. Um, but let's let's just dive right in. Defensive position groups. We covered offensive position groups last week. Uh, I want to talk about the defense because there's probably some more question marks on the defense, just knowing that we lost some really great pieces. Uh, when you think about Felix Andudike, Uzama, you think about uh, Josh Hayes, Julius Brents, all those guys ended up getting drafted. I want to start with the defensive line. There's been a lot of hype for Uso Sayumalo, and I know that there's maybe a little bit of an injury concern. He's been out for for a couple of practices now, uh, but is still projected to be there early in the season. But I think the quote that stood out to me the most was, he's got footwork like a tight end, which is unfair for a guy his size. I think it was Cooper Beebe that mentioned that, uh, and I think I heard that on the Andy Staples podcast. Or, or on another podcast. I don't know. There's a million podcasts that I listen to. But what are you looking for from Uso this year specifically? And then we can pivot into just more broadly the defensive line as a, as a position group specifically. <laughs> and Bye. Jeff, Jeff is left. All right. See you later. See you later. Uh, I guess I'll go. Um so, yeah, we've heard a lot of, I, I would say, some pos- positive things about Uso, um, and especially with a senior year. I mean, this is going to be huge um, for him coming back in. And, um, you know, he showed some really good promise at the end of last year. Um, it, it definitely helps, all things considered, because you lose Eli Huggins, who, you know, was a stalwart on the defense and, and had a really great season, um, multiple really really great seasons uh, at K-State. And so ultimately, you know, the defensive tackle position is one that we've been wanting to hear some type of good news, uh, you know, throughout the spring and into the fall. And there's definitely some good defensive tackles that, uh, you know, we've, we're going to hear from uh, outside of uh, Uso, but Damian Ilalio, and um, we'll talk about a couple others, but, if Uso can really be, um, whether it's, you know, if he's not able to be there the first game, but, you know, if he can start, uh, you know, second, third game of the season and really make an impact and be 100% uh, and and hit the level that Eli Huggins played, um, at least just being a, a really big disruptor in the middle of that defensive line, that's going to be huge for you know, for obviously for K-State, but um, giving the edge rushers, uh, you know, thinking about Khalid Duke and Nate Matlack and Brendan Mott um, opportunities in one-on-one situations. Uh, so hopeful definitely that the injury that Uso has is is not something that can keep him out, uh, you know, multiple games in the season. Uh, we have, you know, what, two weeks to go before our first game, which is crazy. So Hopefully he can get on the mend and, and be in a position where he can be playing, if not in the first game, uh, against Troy and, and especially against Missouri. Dude, I'll tell you this. If you listen to what Van Malone said, I mean, he's a guy who could block out the sun. So a big body like that is something we haven't seen. And, you know, Baylor had the kind of formula with the LSU transfer. What was he? Uh, Siaka Ika? He was a mountain of a man that was just so hard to not double team. And it, like you said, in the password situation, that helps because he's so nimble, our guy Uso, but he's so big. Our best position group, in my opinion, is linebacker. And if you're happen to commit guards and, you know, obviously the center to not get to that second level, it's going to 
leaves such a open and un you know they're, they're going to be unabated to run plays and and the quarterback really if they're on a blitz or whatever so he's just so integral and we haven't really even seen him play a lot of snaps but from everything we heard i mean they don't just rave about guys for no reason and he has every every capability to be the guy in the middle and plug up holes get to the quarterback which it's just gonna be exciting dude i i love a good polynesian nose guard and and what are you thinking so far about damian Eli leo the the local guy the manhattan product he's obviously kind of that that second string guy i guess or are we gonna call him that i would say i mean yeah i mean right now he's probably taking one team snaps but and that's that's so important because he's a guy that when you look at him, I wouldn't necessarily even think football player because he definitely has that wrestler build. You know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of Will Geary. And if, if he could live up to that height, because you know, a small town, I mean, he's from Manhattan high, but Will Geary, small town Topeka kid that was just pure wrestler undersized but a bowling ball that you could not pancake and he just moved bodies on the inside and i i if damon could be that guy man if he can have a will gary impact as our number two nose guard and he showed it in the big 12 championship game for god's sakes his one snap the most important snap and he showed out and plugged up that middle which helped everybody else out Can press a button. Uh, and I I don't think we're necessarily talking about Javon, Javon Banks enough. Um, I know sure. uh, we've heard a little we've heard a little bit about him and and would you call him a hype transfer? I'm not sure, but you have somebody coming from the SEC uh, who, you know, from Mississippi State. Um, you would expect mm-hmm. that he would be potentially at a level to where he could be getting meaningful snaps um, in this game or, you know, in this, uh, during the season. Um, obviously I think Damien, you know, especially with his experience um, already playing at K-State uh, will be helpful um, if he is going to be backing up Uso um, <clears throat> or, you know, on a certain third down situations, et cetera, might be coming in. But, you know, the, the, the nose tackle position is one where we probably have a lot of our chips in the Uso basket. So, it is going to be very hopeful that he can at least come through and, um, you know, hopefully be available, you know, early on in the season, uh, again, at 100%. It sounds like, for me, from what I just read in tea leaves and, you know, just reading into context of what his position coach and defensive coordinators and all that I have to say about him, is that it's just a consistency thing. He has the talent. He has the size. He's a converted defensive end out of high school that, you know, just plumped up. So if he could get it together, I mean, he's new to the system, all that stuff. If he gets in and, you know, has the time to basically do what Uso did last year, where he's that third string defensive tackle where he gets in the right situation and gets his mind right, he could be having an impact later down in the road. 
Yeah, I agree that we haven't talked enough about Javon Banks, and and I think he got a lot of hype when we first got him, just because he did he did come from Mississippi State, which is an SEC program. And looking at his on three profile, it looks like he was a three star consensus guy. So he's not really out of the league of what we would have recruited out of high school potentially. Just when you look at the kind of guys that K State can get in, but he does have that SEC experience, which is which is great. And and those are some big dudes in the SEC that he was going up against both in practice and in games. So I, I think he's got a lot of really good lived experience that, that will lend itself well uh, to big 12 play and, and beyond hopefully. And then a couple other guys I want to talk about thinking more about the edges. You've got Khalid Duke. Who's, who's moving out more to that edge, which is we've heard all off season is more of his natural position. So I'm, I'm looking forward to a good season from Khalid Duke and, and hopefully he can remain healthy. Uh, but a couple other guys that, that had great seasons. We all know about Nate Matlack, uh, but a guy who had more so uh, kind of a breakout season last year. And I remember that South Dakota game specifically. His name was called a lot, but it's Brendan Mott. Uh, and that dude, that dude brought the sauce every single game. It felt like last season uh, he led in a lot of statistical categories for the team as well. Um, so j- just talk about those guys on the edge. What are your expectations and, and who do you think has a better season out of those three guys? Um, I think Khalid Duke's going to have a really great season. Um, out of those three, I would probably pick him number one, but that's not discounting any of the other two. Um, and I think uh, I said, Nate Matlack was going to last season, you know, was going to be a huge, huge player for us. And obviously with injury trouble and whatnot, um, you know, he didn't get to see the field as much. And that's where we saw Brendan Mott get opportunities to really shine and, and play great football. Um, I think on the other side, you know, having those two guys together uh, kind of sharing snaps will be, will be huge. Um, if you have somebody with that type of talent level, who isn't even necessarily starting, it's almost like a six man off the bench um, in basketball terms. So um, I'm, I would definitely pick Khalid. I think out of the three to have, the, the best season um, just because with what I've seen from him in past seasons, despite being injured in some of these uh, in these seasons, he's just shown so many flashes um, the ability to play outside um, as well as a lot, you know, on the linebacker position. I mean, he has the experience doing that um, and, you know, he played really well as an end as well. So uh, I, I do expect some big things from him uh, this upcoming season. There's no wrong answers here, in my opinion. You know, Khalid Duke, he's he, me and Matt brought this up when we were talking. Our, uh, you know, we kind of just talked highlights of the big, big 12 um, media days. He was the guy that kept Felix off the field his Felix's junior year. He was the guy. And it just took one injury in that Nevada game to you know, throw a little, a slight monkey wrench into the the trajectory that Khalid Duke was going down. He he has all the capabilities. He was the guy that we thought was going to be the pro for K-State on that defensive line. So it, it, picking him is a no-brainer, really. But you can't, like Matt said, you can't discount the other guys. Matt Lack last year had all the capabilities as well to be the guy but injury derailed him in that two-lane game. I think he got hurt. I'm not sure. You know, just a high ankle sprain, and those are, like, almost impossible to come back. It's almost better to just snap your leg in half, it seems like. Uh, but 
Brendan Mott, you know, a guy that is coming into this season that was tied for most returning sacks in the Big 12. Nobody's talking about that. He is a guy in the West. You brought up the South Dakota game. I'm thinking that West Virginia game. He had three sacks in that game. He was an absolute stud. So we have three guys. Would you like a little bit more depth behind them? Sure. <laughs> but we might have it because we have an incredible freshman class that I'm sure we're going to talk about. But those guys, if it was me, I'm going to pick Khalid Duke as well, like Matt said, because I think he's going to have the statistical, the, stati the statistics to be considered the number one guy. But if you'll remember, like, Back in the not back in the day, God, look at me. Reggie Walker, when he had Jordan Willis or White Hubert, he was a guy. Uh, he was a stud. He would put rack up stacks, uh, rack up sacks, because people were paying so much attention to those other guys. And I think that's what's going to happen with Khalid Duke. He's going to see a lot of double teams, and Brendan Moss going to clean up again. You bring up you bring up the freshmen and, and maybe just some guys that, that are a little lower on the depth chart. But what are you looking for from Chidi Obiazor? Obiazor, I'm totally butchering that name. Uh, and Jordan Allen, who are who are two names where those are two tremendous athletes. And I think it was uh, Dy from On Three and and KSO who mentioned that Chidi was kind of like the first guy off the bus out of this freshman class. Uh, so that was exciting to hear. But but what are you looking for from those two guys this year? For me, Cheedy, I I was hearing rumblings of Cheedy right when he got there. You know, he's got the size. He's a ba former basketball player. He's got feet. He's he's electric. I compared him to Jalen Pickle because you know when he, Pickle was coming out of high school, he was all six five two sixty, but filled in real real quick. I think I think Cheedy's gonna have the frame to do whatever he wants on that D line because they can keep him out wide similar to pickle or they can kick him inside. You know, Jordan Allen is the guy that I would think comes off the bus because he <laughs> looks like he's built like a Greek God, but <laughs> I think a little bit of injuries, you know, chipping away at him too. They, they say he's got a club on his hand. So, you know, just any derailment like that when you're a freshman, can make you miss the field. So I Chidi, he's gonna be essential for us because we got a lot of we need depth and I think he can provide it. What do you think, Matt? I mean, those are two guys definitely that as freshmen could see some snaps. We're forgetting, I would say there's a couple players that on the defensive end, at least defensive end, to that we might hear about at some point during the season, Donovan Riemann, um, redshirted. Um, he's someone that I think, I mean, I mean, could be, I think a second string backing up Khalid Duke um, right now. Um, you have Cody Stuffelbean who has played, um, you know, he played uh, defensive end and on special teams all of last season um, and, did have seven tackle or no, he had three tackles in the sugar bowl against Alabama. Um, so I, as much as I want to see some of the freshmen be able to play some meaningful snaps, I think there are guys um, who redshirted who, who had some pretty reserved time last season that with another season developing in the system um, going up against how strong our offensive line is. I think those are some guys that could be ahead of 
the freshmen um, who are coming off the bus and they're ready to compete. Um, but I think those are two names that we're going to hear a good amount, um, especially in some of the early games um, and some reserve time. You know, how can they back up, um, you know, come on in second, third down situations um, and, and play some snaps? I always forget that name, man. I always forget Raymond. And he, he was highly – I mean, he wasn't highly touted in terms of stars, but as soon as he got on the campus, we were hearing his name. So, I mean, he's just a redshirt freshman. So he's basically in the same boat. And if he could, God, we we got sneaky depth. We got sneaky depth because Cody Stuffelbean is a plug-and-play guy. I don't think he's the most explosive. He's not the guy that's going to rack the stats up. But I think he's great in run rundowns. And, man, we got sneaky depth, Matt. Thanks for, you know, God damn it. Well, and I think, I, I think ultimately probably everybody – is assuming that you lose Felix and DK Uzama that where, where's the defense, you know, you, it's a first round draft pick, right? Like, and I, I will say the first couple games, it'll be very interesting to see how the line develops. Um, I, I'm expecting against Southeast Missouri state, which we'll do the preview and, you know, almost a couple weeks, but um, that's a good team. I mean, that's a good team in FCS and how much pressure are we getting to the quarterback? How much pressure are we putting and getting them in situations where you're limiting the number of yards on the ground? It's going to be important, you know, to really kind of see how many tackles for loss, how many sacks, how many times are we getting in the backfield? Um, in that game and especially in the Troy game, because when you do get to big 12 play, you're going to be in situation. I mean, better offensive linemen, better quarterbacks, um, quicker quarterbacks. So it's going to be, it's going to be important to see how this line is cohesive. There we go. It's cohesive, um, in those first couple games. I know we oh, know we're about to get onto another position group, but I kind of want to just ask you guys, what is because we've seen it through different phases. We've seen the four down linemen, we've seen the three down linemen, and we've seen different rotations, especially in the back end. But in the front end, what's your perfect ratio of substitutions? Because I know there's a lot of hot topics on how much substitution is too much substitution or too little. I'm not going to have a great answer for this other than I, I think it's good to have a little bit of rotation so you can get guys in like Brendan Mott so they can have those breakout types of games. Like I would love to see Stuffle being subbed in every once in a while so he can have a season with some moments like, like Brendan Mott had, but Brendan Mott ended up playing a lot more than just, you know, moonlighting. Uh, I think he started 10 games last season. So he played a lot last season as opposed to, you know, some guys where maybe they just pop in for a game and then pop out for, or pop in for a snap and then pop out. The reason why I ask, because, you know, we're talking three or four down the depth chart. So Matt brings up a good point that we got pretty good depth, but I'm just wondering, Matt, what do you think? Like, is it is it too deep every series, every two series? What? Well, I it's, it's going to go game by game, right? Um, uh, in situations where you're able to sub – you are going to want to do that um, to bring in fresher breath guys, you know, who may not be as tired. Um, I, I look at the linebacking cores is a good example. Thinking about 
the talent that we have in the linebacking core, if you're not subbing these guys out, you know, I, we're expecting right now from a linebacker position, it's probably Daniel Green, it's probably Austin Moore, and probably Desmond Purnell, right? But you have guys in that second grouping, Jake Clifton, the two new transfers, uh, Rex Van Wy, Terry Kirksey. Um, we've heard Asa Newsom's name and Toby O. Like, there's a lot of real Austin Romaine. Um, there are just there's a lot of names in that core, and yeah, you're not going to play all those guys in one game. But if you're able to strategically sub based off, I mean, some teams you're not going to be able to do that. You know, ones that are very much a, I mean, they're snapping the ball every 15, 20 seconds. It's not going to happen that way. Um, I substitutions overall help keep, I mean, helps from an injury perspective. You're not keeping guys out there for 90% of the game, but you are going to be strategic in having guys who are a little bit quicker on the passing side. Um, guys are a little bit more heft, you know, you're bringing in for run situations. So I, I am a proponent of subbing being a good thing. Um, it's when you're subbing guys who maybe aren't at the level right now that we're subbing, <laughs> um, that's where you get into a little bit of trouble. Um, where we've seen in the past where you have true freshmen that are having to come out and play. Um, I always think of 2012 Dante Barnett when I say that, but, uh, but he got to, he turned out to be a great player. Like it's, it, it is stuff like that where if you're getting true freshmen out there, sometimes it's not necessarily a good thing because somebody's hurt or a position group isn't doing what they need to do, but there are some freshmen that could make an impact. But uh, I, I think from a subbing perspective, it's, it's a strategy that you have to employ differently based off the game. Um, I do see opportunities where that we've taken advantage of that, especially last season. So moving off the line and going into linebacking core, Obviously, Daniel Green's return is one of the main storylines. I think everybody, including himself, thought that he was going to go to the NFL. And I think he he mentioned, what was it, at the Sugar Bowl pep rally? I think he said he was going to the NFL. And then upon some further reconsideration, he decided he was going to come back for a final year. Um, but we've been talking about Daniel Green since 2016 as K-State fans, when he was when he was first getting recruited, you know. I was just out of college at that point. So this is, this is a long time ago that this guy has been in the K-State lexicon. How excited are you for one final season of Daniel Green, knowing that last season what we thought was going to be his final season? For me, Daniel Green is, I know there was some talk about, you know, potentially a top, top 10 linebacker of all time at K-State. And you just, he has, he has the ability to be a first-team all-conference linebacker, which is amazing, and it helps, like Matt was saying, with those with the depth and all that stuff. When you got a guy like Daniel Green, he could basically just walk through training camp because he's he's so veteran that he doesn't really have to practice all that much. So you're getting more reps for the younger guys, and it just helps the program to have a leader like Daniel Green. He's it, it honestly shocked me that he was coming back. But when you think about what he went through last year with the injuries and all that stuff, and I mean, from a team standpoint, it couldn't go much better than what it did winning a Big 12 championship. But how sweet would it be to win two and to be healthy the entire year? So that's 
kind of where I'm thinking his mind's at because he's is he capped out on potential? Probably. Is he a NFL grade player? I think so. So if you're should he should he have went for NFL? I think the NFL is going to be there if he's healthy for a special teams role or all any of that. So I'm happy to have Daniel Green, and I think he's made the right decision because he made our defense better. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I do think he is an NFL caliber player. Um, he's somebody that will probably have to develop a little bit. Um, he is, I mean, yeah, I, he's a great tackler. I mean, I think he's only 17 tackles away from hitting the top 10 um, for unassisted tackles at K-State. Um, I mean, he's been with the program since 2018, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, I, he's by far the leader of the defense. Um, and he's proven through time, uh, you know, his ability to, um, make really big plays. I mean, you know, thinking about the TCU game, uh, you know, on that fourth down stop, uh, you know, he was in on that. I mean, he's, he's, he's a very, very good player. Um, and I really hope that this season helps with his, move to go professionally and that it was a good decision. Um, I, I would imagine a lot of it stems on being healthy and how the team does, uh, you know, it, during the season, but I'm to be able to have a guy like, I, I, the thing that I think about with this defense is if you didn't have Daniel green this year, is, is the team as hyped? I mean, I really believe that, um, you know, is, is there somebody that would have easily been able to come in and replace that? And I don't know if there is. Um, so it, it is going to be important to see him, you know, continue to to be the the quarterback of the defense and and help, especially I think mentor some of these transfer linebackers that have come in, freshmen, you know, younger guys who have to replace him next season. Um, that I I, I think it's going to be helpful immensely in just the development of those players, having a guy who's been in the program since 2018 um, and somebody who started so many games like he has. So someone else I want to talk about just because we, we heard his name similar to Brendan Mott a lot last year, and it's Austin Moore. Uh, so he's returning from a similar breakout season uh, where he led the team with eight tackle or uh, wait, what was that? 87 tackles. Uh, what kind of an effort are you hoping uh, to see out of Austin Moore this year? Man, what what don't I expect out of Austin Morris? Because I think he's essential. Like, it, like I said earlier, the linebacker core is our best depth and best position group on the defense. So I need these both these guys, Daniel Green and Austin Moore, basically our two middle inside linebackers, to have to clean up everything. I need them to be on on their toes every single game. I want all big 12 caliber linebackers on the same team. In my opinion, I think they can do it. He, Austin Moore is that, I mean, he's a pit bull, dude. He's a machine. They call him the machine for a reason. I think he does, he does everything good. He's everywhere you need to be. I think you, you think of the play Daniel Green had in the big 12 chain. I think of Austin Moore in the big 12 championship. He had a potential safety right there. And, he just makes plays like that all the time. That it just goes right under the radar. But I think Big Twelve, second team, all Big Twelve. I think there's a lot of good linebackers in the Big Twelve, but I think he's one of them. So, yeah. It, uh, what don't I expect? From him? Yeah, I mean, if 
he's able to improve on the 2022 season um, in this upcoming season. He's very much in, in play to, to be on the all big 12 team um, from a linebacker position at the linebacker position. Um, a couple of things with Austin Moore, especially in just his development. I mean, he registered in 2019 and, and he played a little bit in 2020 um, and 2021, but last year was very much a breakout year for him. And he took development in stride and got himself in a position to where he could be starting in these games. And he's another player that I think he fits really well with Daniel Green. They both understand, you know, where they are from a, a position perspective. And I mean, it's it it is going to be very interesting to see how how much has he developed going into this season um is he going to be a little bit quicker is he going to be you know where are we from a strength perspective um but he's a guy also not just thinking i mean i like looking long term as well i mean this is his fourth season in the program he could be back for a fifth year as well um you know if he has now if he's an all big 12 player I mean, he's another guy that could easily end up, you know, just deciding I want to go play in the NFL. Um, But he is a guy that could come back as a fifth year senior as well because of his COVID year. So um, it, it it has, he's another player. I mean, we've always seen, I I feel like linebackers and, you know, we have guys who come in and, you know, they wait their turn, they get time on special teams, they get time and, you know, reserve situations, but he's one that just has come up and, I mean, he's taken it in stride and really developed into a very, very solid player for us. Um, and one that if the defense is going to be as successful as they were last year, I mean, him and Deuce Green are going to have to be better, I feel like, um, than what they were last year um, to kind of make up for some of the other spots. So, but now let me tell you this, Matt. I'm going to put you in on a little secret. I'm, I don't want anybody else to hear this, all right? We have a tendency at K-State to, you know, get these older brother guys and their younger brothers are pretty fucking good. His baby brother is a missile and Austin, Austin Moore walked on. I'm pretty sure he walked on his little brother ain't going to walk on. And I think he's going to stay around to see his little brother do it, do his damn thing at K-State. So whew, boy, I, I like when we have those siblings on the team and I think we got another one, boy, just, just like Will Howard's younger brother. His little, his little brother, who's like double his size. <laughs> and Austin, Austin Moore's brother is a stud, dude. I can't Damn. wait. To, I, I know he's going to be on campus, and you know he's going to think he's a. I think he's a lock. I don't think he's we're necessarily recruiting him, but just look up his little brother's like tape and all that. He's a fucking beast. For the people listening, what's his little brother's name? Uh, good question. I know it's his last name's Moore. While you oh, while you look that up, <laughs> yeah. Oh no, shit, Sherlock. While you look that up, where would you set the over under app for total tackles for Austin Moore this season, knowing that he had eighty seven last year? That's a tough. You said one. what was the over under? What would you set it at? Oh, he had eighty seven last year. I mean, he started all thirteen games, right, or fourteen games. And he's still at 87. Let me double check that. But yeah, I think he did. I would set the over under because I think we're going to. I think we're going to be relying on them a little bit heavier than usual than we did the last few years. So 
And I think up front, we have a bigger body at nose guard, but we also don't have the run run stuffer at like uh, Felix did. I'd set it at 80. I'd set it at 80. Okay. I would so take you're going lower than last year. I take the I think over. You, go, uh, you also have to think we're going to have a healthier Daniel Green. We're going to have a year experience with uh, other linebackers that we're probably going to discuss here in a second. And a, a run stuffer up the middle in Uso that is not the technician that Eli was, but way bigger body. I think I think there's gives and takes. I think 80 would be the number that I would set because you could see a lower number because of Daniel's health and Desmond Purnell, who we're about to talk about. Uh, increase. I mean, Austin Moore's backup last year was Jake Clifton. And Jake was what, a freshman last year? So he's going to be yeah. a sophomore. And Jake had some pretty good time last season. So. I guess I don't know. I think it's hard over under for tackles because you just never know how the defense is going to be set up. But I'll take the over on eighty. I'll take the over on eighty as well. Uh, some other names to look for, obviously Desmond Purnell. We brought him up a couple of times. Terry Kirksey, who's the JUCO transfer from Hutch uh, Community College. He played in the National JUCO Championship. Uh, along with Will Lee, uh, which is another game name that we'll get to here in a minute. But uh, and then the last name, Jay Clifton, we were just talking about him of those three guys. And then maybe also taking into account some of the guys that have gotten some good pub this offseason. You've got Austin Romaine, who I think when we did our recruiting class debrief and we were looking at all the guys, Austin Romaine was like a footnote on that list. And you're hearing his name more than almost any other freshman other than probably Avery Johnson this offseason. And then Rex Van Wy, who's a guy that, that came in as well. So taking into account those five guys, what are you looking for from those dudes this, this season? Uh, knowing that some of them got some playing time last year. Some of them came in from the outside. I'm just curious to see from your perspective, how do you think they're going to fit into the system? I mean, I, I think they're going to be the second string. I think they're going to be backing up uh, Desmond Purnell and um, Daniel Green. Um I think experience is key, especially, uh, you know, having guys who had a ton of success, whether it be in junior college um, or, you know, wherever. But uh, Ashton Moore of Lewisburg had one of the best Ashton sophomore Moore. seasons in Kansas at linebacker last fall. If, uh, nobody's if you're not on the YouTube stream, he's showing us his phone and I had to read that off. Uh, but anyway, so. You know, I think though that Rex and Terry are going to be important kind of cogs in here, um, especially you know just having uh, having experience playing at I mean the junior college level. Um, we've seen Hutch Juco have really good talent, and uh, Rex is from Iowa Western. Uh, if anybody remembers, Jake Waters went to Iowa Western, but um, I I do think at if we look at the depth chart halfway through the season, I believe they're going to be second string. Um, I don't, if one of them somehow tops and gets to the first string, that just shows how much talent we have. Um, 
but they're important pieces. I, I remember when we were hearing about it from a recruitment perspective and when they committed, that was a, those were huge commits for us uh, just because of what they showed in, at their respective junior colleges. And um, they're going to be important. I mean, they're going to be important to try and maintain a sense of um, stability uh, for what we had in 2022. And um, hopefully they just have the effort that we need um, for us to, to see them play good number of snaps. You know, the backup position at linebacker is so last year it was, it was real touch and go because you had Deuce go down and who was stepped in Allen. Allen stepped in for him. I mean, he was serviceable, but he was, he was coming off of it. Nick Allen. He was coming off of an injury. So, it was real touch and go. We had to we had to address the depth at linebacker, and I think we did that because, like you said, Jake Clifton was the sub for Austin Moore, and that's not even his primary position. I mean, he plays all three, but his primary position is the the Sam. So, you know, with those two junior college guys, it's guys that have played football at a level higher than high school. So. It's it's good that we have them, and like you said, I think they will just be primary backups because we do have potentially all Big Twelve linebackers at the starting position. But you can't you can't forget like a Bo Palmer. I mean, he before he came down, he was going to get the start. He literally got hurt the the week of his first start, and I think that was going to be what Texas because Deuce was hurt. So, man, man, oh, man, we, we, we address the depth, and I think it's going to pay dividends, but I think they will be primarily backups. Yep, I'm on board with that. And then the last guy I want to ask about, just because he's a dude that I'm excited about, he's from Wichita, I'm a Wichita guy. Uh, we've got a good history of dudes that come from Wichita East as well when you look at guys like Arthur Brown. Uh, but Tobios and Sami. What are you looking for from him this season? Do you think we see much of him in those rotations, or do you think that that he's still got some some time to develop? I'm, I guess I'm just curious, based on what we've heard so far. What are you looking for from Tobio this off or this this coming season? For me, I just I'm cutting in because I, I, I from what we're hearing, you know, you go to K State online and listen to what Derek Young has to say, and even from his position coach uh, Steve was a standard. Coach Standard says that he is a guy that he's not great in space because he's kind of new to football. He's still trying to learn that spatial recognition as a linebacker. But as a pass rusher, this is what Derek Young has been brought up, that he is a jet package nightmare. So it on third downs, if as a blitzing linebacker, they say he's one of the best. So for me, what I'm – looking for is a guy that is going to go downhill. I don't want him left or right. I want him going downhill after quarterbacks and blitzing on run blitzes. So, man, Toby Osinsami, just the name. I mean, people are scared to even say the name. So imagine, like, trying to play football against him. <laughs> Dang. If that was how that worked, I would have been in really good shape. My last time. <laughs> uh I, I don't know. I You did make a really good point, and not to try and do a comparison, but Tobio and Khalid Duke 
are very similar in build and stature. I think Khalid Duke is 6'4 and Tobio is 6'3. But if we think of Khalid Duke early on in his like K-State career, that was a similar saying that people had about him, right? Um, and we saw, you know, he 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 was a good linebacker. He had speed and so on blitzes and getting to the quarterback. There's a reason like he was really good at getting to the quarterback. So I wonder in Toby's development and he redshirted last season, he played in four games. Um, so he's a redshirt freshman this season. I mean, if we do see him on the field, it will be interesting to see how he is leveraged in that role. Is he a guy who's going to play a lot in coverage? Is he a guy that you're going to bring on, um, linebacker blitzes and things along those lines. I do wonder based off of what we've heard from camp, if there is a similar trajectory to Khalid Duke in him, um, which would be huge for us, uh, with just the type of player that he is, you know, who you compared him to Khalid Duke. Stay with me for a second. Remember a kid out of blue Springs and Dalvin Warmax class, Elijah Lee. Yeah, because yeah. Elijah Lee was a linebacker. He wasn't. He was undersized though at a linebacker, but he was an excellent pass rusher and jet package defensive end. I can see Osinsami being a similar path to, until he learns how to play the linebacker position with just reps and practice and practice to get an athlete on the field like him of his caliber. Do what he does best, and that's pass rush, and that's exactly what they did with Elijah Lee and Bill Snyder's. Well, what was that? Few, last few seasons there. Well, it was kind of in the middle of 2.0. But yeah, Elijah Lee is who I'm seeing in Toby Osansami, just a bigger, freakier athlete. Elijah Lee was bouncing around the NFL too until last season. Last season was the last year that he was listed on a roster. It looked like the Browns had him. Um, doesn't look like he's with anybody right now, but I like that comparison. That'd be that'd be nice to have for sure. Uh, moving into the cornerbacks, we've got cornerbacks and safeties, and then we'll and then we'll end it. But we've got zero starts for K State specifically in the cornerback room right now at that position. Everybody is either has not started or is coming from the outside. That said, we've brought in some really great talent. When you think about guys like Will Lee, we've got talent with Keenan Garber, who we forever talked about is, is this the year that he's going to break out as a wide receiver? And then he switched positions mid season last year, late in the season and and then came in and, and did great as, as a cornerback in my, in my opinion. So I don't have a whole lot to go off of here because we're really kind of starting from, from square one with the cornerback position. Are you concerned about this position group? Because I can tell you based on people who are looking at K-State from the outside right now, a lot of them are saying they lost this, they lost that. That cornerback room is, is a major question mark, but we've also learned from experience. This coaching staff has done an incredible job of reloading guys every single year. So what are you looking at in this cornerback in this cornerback room, and, and are you concerned? Yeah. Uh, okay. First thing I have to say this: Elijah Lee is six three two twenty eight. Tobio is six three two thirty three. Similar play, similar stature. Man, I know how to call him, dude. I'm just Damn. you know I'm like an encyclopedia <laughs> for this shit. <laughs> you know, 
I had to look it up. I had to look it up. Uh, I, I would say the, the cornerbacks are probably the biggest concern from a defensive perspective, because as you said, you don't have guys who have started in a, in a K state game. Um, probably I, I, you would think Will Lee will probably be one of the starters, but Jordan Wright is a guy that redshirted in 2022. He is a Juco guy um, from Fullerton college. He was a very good Juco player. Um, and a lot of people when he signed with K state um, in 2022, you know, we're excited to see what he was going to do. Um, didn't necessarily get on the field, but we also had some really good talent that was on the field. Um, and so in that year, red shirting, you have to think he's developed in a lot of different ways to put him in a position where he's going to play a good amount, um, whether he starts over a guy like Will Lee, uh, you know, on the right side. Um, Jacob Parrish, I mean, he played a lot uh, last season. I mean, this was a, a situation where we did have a lot of players, you know, last season that got time um, that you weren't necessarily expecting. Keenan Garber was one of those. Um you wonder also, so we have a guy from Southeast Missouri State that did transfer, um, I want to say pretty late in the spring, and uh, Tyler Nellum, or Nellum, however we pronounce it, but he is a junior who, again, you know, he has time um, from the FCS. He played uh, 10 games. He had eight starts. Um, I would not be surprised if he was somebody that we'll hear from early on. Um, you know, you wonder how he's developing in this system as well, uh, because we've seen historically, at least with Chris Kleiman and how he's brought transfers in, in the cornerback position, there are guys that have come from division, or not D one, but you know, FBS, you know, big schools, but it's guys from the FCS that, have developed in this system as well. And, and so um, he's, he's a name that I haven't necessarily heard much, albeit I haven't heard much about the cornerbacks even, I feel like give an accurate opinion as to what's going on other than I think a lot of people agree that we think Will Lee is going to be a stud and Jacob Parrish is probably starting based off of his time last season. Well, I'll say this about Jordan, Wright. I mean, from all accounts, Jordan, Wright has moved to the safety spot. So I don't know if that's, I mean, that's just the word on the street. I don't know if that's been confirmed, but he's been working out with the safety spot. So, I mean, we'll probably talk about that here in a second, if that's concerning or not. But as for corners, I mean, my guy is Willie. So I put all my eggs into that basket. So I need him to pan out. I cannot have him do anything other than that. And yes, I am concerned about the cornerback position. And when you don't have any, proven, I mean, even leaders, you know, just a guy that is a veteran guy. There's no real veterans that have been in the system. For Keenan Garber is kind of the veteran. if you. Yeah, know, but he's been only playing corner for right. not <laughs> even nine months. <laughs> so, I mean, I would love for Keenan Garber to be that third corner because, I mean, I, what number is he wearing this year? Is he wearing 35? Is he still wearing that number? Um, he's wearing sure. number one. Okay, well, That's I like that. One. I like that. One. I like that. So yeah, for me, corner is the the most unproven and the most concerning. But I have my guy at that position already. So Jacob Parrish, if he can step up and be that, you know, little spark on the outside that's jumping routes and all that stuff, I would love that. You know, the depth behind them, Keenan Garber. 
I'm hearing good things about what is his name? Justice. Is it Justice? Justice James. Justice James. Justice James. Justice James. I'm hearing good things about him. And, you know, who's been injured and has been in the system for at least three years now is Daryl Jones. He's supposed to be a speed demon, but I think he's been in the sling for quite a while now. So I don't know what to expect from him this season. But if anybody can come back and, you know, just add depth because that's a position group that we always rotate at least four guys in and out and maybe even five or six, depending on especially unproven depth at the position, that would be nice and it would help me relieve a lot of anxiety about that position yeah i it's going to be very interesting because i just i don't know um you, you just you have to have guys step up you and really something and, and somebody's had to step up because they wouldn't move from if, if the word on the street is right they wouldn't move jordan right to safety if they're if he's the third best corner and move him to safety if we didn't have players stepping up and that are ready to play. Yeah. And, and I mean, to, to your point about leadership, I mean, the oldest guy in that room was, was Jordan Wright. So if he's not in that room anymore, if he's with the safeties now, not with the corners, the two oldest guys are Tyler Nalome, who we didn't know about until what, May, April, and then justice James. So and the thing I like about justice James though, is he did come from Tyler JC. So he's, he's kind of in that Kobe Savage pipeline, so to speak. Um, so with what we've heard about Kobe, Kobe Savage, and we'll get into the safeties here in a second, he's obviously a leader that's really kind of coming to the fold in that safeties room and, and just in the defense as a whole and the team as a whole, maybe we see that from justice James as well. Who knows? Um, it's going to be a really interesting position group. It's a position group that we got a lot of good recruits into. Uh, when you think about Knigel Thomas, you think about Donovan McIntosh, uh, Jaden Cook. So we've got some good depth there that will be working their way up. But there's not a single senior in the cornerback room, and that's probably the first time in a I, long time. I would love to know when the last time was we didn't have a Can senior. Knigel was brought up by the coaching staff. He was brought up yeah. – by name, by Van Malone, who coaches him during the presser. So, I mean, if a freshman can do it, a freshman could do it. I, I'm not – we don't have any seniors back there. So, it's got to be somebody to do it. Well, there might be some seniors, but they're not ready that, – that aren't cracking the depth chart off off memory. So, get yeah, anybody, just anybody step up. Outside of Willie, because Willie is already set up. He's my dad. And I, I trust Coach Malone and I trust Klanderman as well because you look at the names that we lost and you look at where they came from as well. You've got Echo Boydo, Julius Brents, uh, Omar Daniels, who was in that system for a long time and then eventually just left. Drake Cheatham, Sincere Mason. You've got some really incredible names that were developed or, or brought in, good talent that was identified outside of the program. And, and plugged and played super well when you think about like Josh Hayes. So I trust this staff. It's a major question mark. I'd be naive to say there aren't concerns there to your point, Chef, but uh, I, I trust this staff to at least get us to a place where we're still going to be competitive um, in Big 12 play at that position. But last position group I want to talk about on the defense is safeties. So staying in the defensive backside of things, Kobe Savage, we already mentioned him. He's going to knock some heads off. We've heard his dad say that like when he, when he came on cocaine Willie 
last year. He said his, his uh, recovery, his rehab was going well. He's ready to knock some heads off. From all indications, he's he's going to come in on day one against SEMO and do the exact same thing that he did on day one last year uh, and through the season last year. So I'm stoked about Kobe. Another guy I want to talk about is Mar- Marquez, Marquise, Marquise Siegel. Marquise Siegel? Are we yep. going with Marquise? I got I got Mar- I got Marquise the Seagull Siegel. The Seagull Seagull. You don't need a ball hawk when you got a oh, Seagull, baby. You've got him coming in from North Dakota State. Very similar situation to when you think about Josh Hayes. Came in from a very similar system. Granted, he's coming directly from North Dakota State as opposed to coming in from, you know, Josh Hayes spent a year at Virginia or a couple of years at Virginia. Didn't get a ton of playing time. Had some injury issues. It was a whole situation, but when we look at Kobe Savage, what are you excited for when you think about the leadership that he brings to this defense? And when you think about the leadership that he brings to this team, knowing some of the trials and tribulations that he went through with his injury uh, to get to where he is for, for 2023. Um, I, I'm excited. I think, Kobe Savage is one of the players that I, I just, I loved all of last year. Um, he's someone who is, um, I, I mean, I just think about all the safeties that we've had in the past who have just been hard nosed players. Um, and I, I, just, they have great personalities as well, but they are just incredible players on the field. And he's one of them. I mean, and it's really great to see um, him uh, coming back from this injury and being in a position where he could be there on week one. Um, Marquise Seigel, who you said, um, is another North Dakota State guy who, I mean, we've proven that bringing in players from North Dakota State has brought some positive or at least some success um, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and so you would expect that he's probably going to come in and be, um, be starting. And then, uh, you know, we, we mentioned BJ Payne playing as a freshman. I mean, he played some big snaps last season and um, having a, you know, just coming in as a sophomore and potentially being in a position where he's starting as well um, is huge. So um, it is a, a safety room that uh, the, the talent is there from top to bottom. And you have to imagine that uh, thinking about the substitutions and the type of strategy that you'll play with the safeties. I mean, having guys who are a little bit different, um, you know, that have those strengths that you can push um, in certain, you know, against certain offenses, um, it's, it's going to be huge. So uh, the hope is obviously they can limit the deep ball, um, especially being in the big 12, <laughs> um, you know, and, and I would say, I mean, last season uh, it was definitely, I mean, our defense was really good last season and it was because of Josh Hayes, Kobe Savage, you know, just being stalwarts back there. Um, I'm not expecting anything different this season. For me, I cannot speak more glowingly of Kobe Savage, a guy that came in. I mean, he was so unheralded throughout every phase of his recruitment until he got to K-State. And he got here and he absolutely proved himself to the utmost. He, He has an injury that we all thought was a little bit scary and proved to be a season ending one. 
but he just comes back and he he never gives up. He has he has that dog in him. Uh, his dad is gonna go to bat for him, and I'm gonna go to bat for him every step of the way. There, any highlight that we've seen throughout fall camp, he's got the knee brace on, but he's moving around so freaking fast that I would not. He looks better. I mean, he almost looks better than he did last year. Like we didn't expect to see this from him, and he comes in. He's was he is he first team all Big Twelve safety preseason? I think he is. I think he is. And if if that's the case, I mean, he's on the Thorpe watch list. If he can prove to be that guy and live up to all that hype for his second run at, at K-State, I think he ha- does he have one more year after this? I'm not sure. But as of right now, I'm just so pumped for his year in 2023 that he could be the leader of the defense. Not just in the secondary, he could be the leader of the defense, even with a guy like Daniel Daniel Green on the field. He could be the leader of the defense. He's the most vocal. He gets people aligned, and that's going to be essential because we got guys like DJ Payne back there, who's got all the talent in the world, but he just needs he's just he's just green. Just get him aligned up where he needs to be, and I think he's going to be able to make plays for us because Kobe Savage is going to be able to provide us that leadership the safety room matt matt broke it down perfectly and and when i was thinking about when i listened through all the players that matt's bringing up a guy like jordan perry who i thought would be able to for his is this his redshirt freshman season or yeah his redshirt freshman season be a guy in that safety room they're talking about him being moved to linebacker he's been working out with the linebackers for this past entire week Maybe that's why a guy like Jordan Wright is getting moved back there to provide depth and maybe even be a starter, depending on, you know, how everything plays out. But a guy that's going to get a lot of snaps. But the safety room, I'm nowhere near concerned as much as I am for the corners. And maybe that can be the yin and yang of the DB, where one one group of the, the DBs picks up the other group. So all in all, give me – the safety rooms at a, like an eight out of 10. That kind of brings me to my next point, which when, when we look at this point of, of last year, when we were looking at the safeties, we had all the confidence in the world in the cornerback room. And then the safeties were the question mark. So I like that you're thinking about it, like the yin and the yang you've got, which one is going to be the question mark this season. And, and then maybe it flips year after year, or, or maybe next year it doesn't flip for all we know, but uh, another it might not flip is, this year. It might not. And we <laughs> might be, we might be Big 12 champs again because of our DB room. We don't know. But as of right now, I'm feeling confident in the safeties to pick up the game of the corners and, you know, just just bring it home, baby. Just bring that home. So, so Daniel Cobbs, he's another guy that came in from Tyler Juco. Uh, and then, uh, God, who else was I thinking about? VJ Payne. So I, I want to talk about those two guys specifically. VJ, he's another guy. He had some great flashes last year in the four games that he played without burning his red shirt. He had 16 tackles over four games. What do you think with, with his resume that he put up last year, again, with his red shirt year, and then thinking about Daniel Cobbs coming in and being maybe that next Kobe Savage, Tyler Juco product in that pipeline. What do you think those two guys' ceilings are for this season? For me, VJ Payne's ceiling is 
the ceiling is the roof. So, you know, for me, BJ Payne is just, he's just a dog. He's so green, though, that who was the kid? Who was the kid that played safety? He was from Mississippi and then ended up transferring out. I think he, I don't know if he died or not, but he might have died. Rest in peace if that happened. But uh, he was a safety lat two years ago, and he scored he scored the touchdown off of the fumble in the West Virginia game. Uh, I can't remember his name. He was solid safety, but VJ kind of stepped into his role where he was that long, absolutely ridiculously long safety that can come downhill. Except VJ is a lot better tackler, and he'll come up and pop you. VJ is is ready to go. I just I just need him to get a line, and I think Kobe Savage will be able to do that for him. Who who are you thinking about? Drake Drake Cheatham. No, no, not last year. Not last year. Two years ago. Oh, I thought you said last year. Okay, sorry. Two years ago. Two years ago, there was a kid from Mississippi versus West Virginia. He caught. It was actually off of a punt. It was a punt block. He picked it up and he scored the touchdown. Uh, he's from Mississippi. He ended up transferring Marvin to... Marvin Martin. Marvin Martin. I think he died. R.I.P. Did... Oh. Oh. I about that. Oh, my Sorry. God, Jeff. <laughs> what? I'm just saying. I think that's yeah. what B.J. Payne wow. is kind of like. Because that guy was like six foot three. Long could run, and he was on the field as a freshman. Oh, I uh, he didn't die. Thank God, I think he did. He had a catastrophic neck injury. Thank God, he didn't die. Well, I'm just seeing a bring on the cats post about it, so I don't know if something actually did happen or not. I might like vaguely remember something happening, maybe. What a fucking downer this is. Wow. Yeah, wait, great way to end the show, Chef. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Holy shit. I was given a people comparison. People are going to be listening to this, and they're going to be like, what the fuck? He transferred to South Alabama, and he had a neck injury during practice. Yes. I, I thought he died. Thank God he didn't die, though. Oh wow. my God! Wow, that well. On that note, should we talk? There, I wonder how many. I wonder how many people. How many people you think are dead that actually aren't? Dude, <laughs> I put. People, I put so many. People. I put so many people in the ground. It's ridiculous. How many people I think are dead? Is this like a Mandela effect? In, thing? No, he's, got, he's act, like TMZ. Any actor, any actor you could think of, if I see him in a movie, oh man, he's probably dead, isn't he? Damn. But he, they're not dead. They're probably like 47 years old. But Dude, like seven, six or seven years ago, I convinced about half of the company I was working for at the time that Cisco was dead. <laughs> and so <laughs> it was like in our Slack channel oh, for music, no. and I convinced everybody that Cisco was dead. I just said hashtag RIP Cisco. And everybody was like, wait, he's dead. The thong song guy is dead. Thong song. That thong, 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 baby. Damn. All right, peace. Hey, chef, the, 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 the old lady from the Titanic died. Did you know that? <laughs> What's that mean? It's been 94 years. <laughs> <laughs> God. Uh, okay. Well, Special on teams. that note. <laughs> On that note, let's quickly talk special teams. I don't have a ton yeah. of notes here. 
Brandon Plattner, the greatest mullet of all time in K-State history and potentially the greatest long snapper in the country, I would venture to say, uh, is returning. But we're losing a massive talent in Ty Zentner. We talked about him a ton last season. He did all three kicking duties. He kicked it off, kicked field goals, and he punted. Uh, he filled in, obviously, when there were some issues with Chris Tennant uh, in being able to fulfill those kicking duties uh, specific to field goals at a level where we were satisfied with it, um, to put it you know, mildly. How do you think Chris Tennant and then Jack Bloomer on the punting side of things, how do you think those guys are going to backfill knowing that we did have those issues with Chris Tennant? Does this maybe turn into, what was it, a few? I think last year we talked a little bit about how Jack Cantelli was that backfill guy for shit who was before him. It was, there was Anthony Cantelli and then was it Matt? No, it wasn't Matt McCrane. Who was in between the two Cantellis? Cause Jack sat out or was, was like back Nick up. Walsh. Was it Nick Walsh? Nick no, he Walsh was, a, was punter. a punter. He was a punter. Oh, Matt McCrane. No, he was after, was after Cantelli. Hold on. I got this. Not Matt McCrane. No, 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 hold on, hold on. I got this kicker. I'll say this about I'll say this about Chris Tennant. Statistically, he wasn't as bad as we think he was. Now, was his form and some of his kicks that went in a little scary? Yes, but he wasn't he might have missed what four field goals on the year. I, I, Ian, pa- I've been, Ian Patterson. Ian Patterson. Patterson. Fucking Ian Patterson. Number forty. Yep. What a stud. He was a little thick boy, and he wore the <laughs> he wore the he wore the three quarter sleeves. Love that. I love that, dude. But Chris Tennant, he's he's got the he's a off the bus guy. Get him off the bus first. He's fucking huge. He's he's what six six. He's got 6'5", 6'6", 230. He a stud. He just he kick him straight, dude. He absolutely tries to murk the ball. It looks like like if I go out to the driving range and I just want to hit, like, you know, just a bomb 330 down the middle, but it slices 230 straight right, that's how his kicking is. He's trying to kick the ball so damn hard, and he's slicing everything. Just a nice, like, 260 down the middle it will do just fine. I think Chris Tennant, I think he'll win the job because I hope it's not a freshman unless the freshman's a stud. But Bloomer, solid at punter. But Chris Tennant, not as bad as we thought last year. It just straightens it out. Are you trying to tell us that you drive it 330 yards but slice it 230 on a regular basis? Not on a regular. Not anymore. You know, probably like five or six years ago, I had, you know, that that tailor-made rocket balls driver. That thing was probably like 12 years old and I could not could not hit that thing consistently but if I caught it clean it was bomb but you know I had a massive slice but I fixed it I've switched to Callaways so yeah it's definitely the club's fault definitely it's it's something to do with the club I mean you don't see you don't you don't see pros out there hitting wooden drivers anymore do you yeah. Did you know that the the woods are full of long hitters, Chef? They are. You know who that's a quote Harvey from, Pimmick. Chef? <laughs> no. <laughs> what is that from? <laughs> what is that? 
Woods are full of long hitters, Chef. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna look that up. <laughs> uh, it the kicking position is definitely the one that I I'm just extremely nervous about, and I I think it is it's nerve wracking definitely to not necessarily have a backup who has experience. I mean, if we're in a position where you know Chris Tennant has a similar start to this season that he did last season. I, I don't necessarily see us putting a freshman in there. I mean, unless he is really, really, really good. Um, so I think there's definitely a hope that just with being technically being benched last season, there's some motivation there to, um, to be a more, you know, to be more accurate in the kicking game, but it all the, I think Ty Zetner was kind of, he was appreciated obviously, but he was an underrated part of last season because of how you really could trust him and in those types of kicks. And, um, and so we, we need something very similar to that this season. If we expect that we are going to go far um, because you need reliability at special teams um, the same from a kind of a punter situation. Um, you know, Jack Bloomer is going to be coming in and punting. You need to flip the field. You got to do, you got to have somebody that can flip the field and that's going to be another key piece. So, you know, special teams is going to be, there's a couple position groups that you just get a little iffy about the, the best case scenario is they do a great job, but what's the worst case scenario? You know, Chris Tennant misses, half his kicks, you know, in big situations, that's not great. And if the cornerbacks don't get put up to speed quickly, you're going to see it against Missouri. You know, Luther Burden's going to be a burden. Ha ha. So, uh, yeah, that, I don't know. Special teams is a little nerve wracking for me. It is. Tyson oh, is playing right now. He's uh, he's got two punts in this uh, preseason game where the Eagles are playing the Browns. He's got uh, two punts for forty plus yards. So even the year before with Ty Zittner, he wanted to kick field goals then, and I can't remember who our kicker was that kept him off the field. But um, you know, we're gonna like you said, Matt. We're gonna miss the hell out of Ty Zittner, and he was underappreciated at the very beginning. But lo and behold, we had one on the roster that could do it, and we might have one this year. So, And with that, we're going to drop for the defensive and, I guess, a little bit of special teams preview. Uh, for all of us at Cocaine Willie, thank you for listening and, or watching on YouTube if you're watching on YouTube. Please give Cocaine Willie a follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or subscribe on YouTube to be notified of new episodes when they drop. Leave us a review with your feedback. We've got a ton of really crap, horrible shit reviews on, on Apple Podcasts. So uh, let's boost that ranking a little bit because honestly, the feedback is really terrible and not valid or warranted. Like this video if you're watching on YouTube and if you're on Twitter or Instagram, follow the show at Cocaine Willie or follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Bob Trollsby. Chef is at Chef Andre Napier and Fireball Matt is at Matt Marchesini. Chef. Cocaine's a hell of a drug, baby. We're all coke and no joke. Wildcat country. Let's ride. Let's ride. The woods are full of long hitters. <laughs> <laughs>